Okay. I was off to psych myself up a wee bit before I start talking. Do you start doing those uh, kind of vocal training? <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Scratchcast, the alternative pop culture podcast. I'm Sneds and as always I'm joined by the Silver Fox, Mr Grant Patterson. Hello there. And we're just two Scottish loons who love to talk about music. How have you been since the last podcast, Grant? I've been good. Um, missing the, the barber's been open, so I've treated myself to another COVID haircut. Um, expertly done by myself this time. I've invested in uh, my very own razor, so it was actually easier than what I thought it'd be, to be honest. I don't know if I'll keep it. Do you not try various different hairstyles whilst you were doing it? I didn't. I did think that I'd really fucked up though. Like when I first started, because it's a number two, so it's is it six millimeter? Um, and I started off with like the front of my head, um, and it just it just didn't look right. Like I thought, like it was a lot shorter than what it was going to be. Um, but I just grinned and bear it, beard it, and got on with it. Like there's some horrendous like mid haircut photos from of me from a few weeks ago when i got got my hair cut short and like it's cat that was doing it and i've we've got like um we started off with like the scissors and she's just kind of cut into the back and there was just like a horrendous like step like <laughs> and, and when i saw that i was just like fuck it just shave the whole lot off because it's just going to look ridiculous but there's some really really um, awful like mid haircut photos, like like embarrassingly bad. That that was my thinking as well. So like somebody at my work tried to do my haircut. So I normally have like a short back and sides. Like I've got like a number one round the back and sides, and then a bit of hair on top. And normally have the kind of wee quiff. And she done a pretty good job to be honest. But she shaved my head, like, right up to the ear. <laughs> so it was just this, like, I don't know, square patch of hair. Um, and I was just like, I just, just fuck it. Just shave the hair thing off. So, yeah. Didn't get any photos, though, thankfully. <laughs> There's no evidence of it. There's no evidence. Cool. Do you want to talk a wee bit about the interviews we've done? Well, the Waco interview, I suppose. Yeah. So we recorded that on the 17th of February with Jack Hutchcraft and Welshie, so the lead singer and drummer of the cosmic punk band Waco that we've kind of featured quite heavily in, well, I suppose the the podcast and the website itself. It was really fun. It was uh, a good laugh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, speaking to people who have listened to the interview said that it just felt like a bunch of guys just getting together and having a laugh and that's exactly how it felt it was really good fun really good fun they're they're top guys and i really enjoyed speaking to them yeah well it was good fun you can listen to the audio version but if you watch the video version you can it there's there's more in the video version you can watch as well she sneaks away to the toilet and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can actually see him when he comes back he's like opening the fridge like while we're still talking he gets himself another pint doesn't he aye absolutely um, 
and you get to see his pride and joy uh, kiss poster as well. Yeah, forgotten about that. So yeah, that, yeah, it was good fun. So definitely, even if you don't know who Waco are, just check it out. I think it's a fun, quite a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give a quick mention to a live stream that I watched. I mean, this is way back at at the end of January. It just just never really got a chance to talk about it, and it was um, a venue in Guildford called the Boiler Room. And that yeah. Guildford's like southwest of London. It's not really a venue I know that I know or have really heard of before, but they were basically doing a a series of like conversations with musicians. So the one that I watched was um was with Jamie Lenman, of course. <laughs> of course it was. Um and uh, producer Space, who is a producer on Jamie's last three albums, so on Devolver, Shuffle, and um, King of Clubs. So it was just, it was just cool, just a cool like the sort of two guys sitting down, and the the woman who sort of runs the boiler room was kind of on the on the decks and would occasionally play like clips of the songs, and then they would they would talk about the recording process and you know some of the inspiration behind um, the album and, and the albums and and that kind of thing. So so it was pretty cool. I didn't know this at the time, but I found out later that that Space is actually a member of Ever Not Nothing, who are formerly known as Black Futures. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite interesting. Just to, and he, I mean, he didn't mention that at all in the interview, but I just kind of, I just happened to find that out later. So that's quite cool. So it's just a really, really kind of interesting conversation at the time. When I when I listened to it, it was a paid event, but but now you can get it free on their their YouTube page, so you can watch that for free. There's a bunch of other ones. I think I think Space Talks to Joe Talbot of Idols as well. Okay. I haven't watched that one, but you know Joe Talbot's quite an interesting guy, so it'd be definitely worth a watch. And uh, Boiler Room have been talking about a whole bunch of stuff they were doing for International Women's Day as well. So I think there's a whole load of stuff there for that as well. So definitely worth checking out. I just thought it would be worth worth mentioning those guys. And on that interview, it was opened up where there's a band called the Choco Laz. I think they're like a sort of they're sort of indie acoustic three piece. So they they opened the conversation with like a, a Ruben cover and then they closed with one of their own songs. So they were pretty good. They've got an EP out. I can't remember what it's called, but worth worth checking out it's just some cool stuff that that, uh, that a venue's doing while while they can't put on live music sorry Snit, is that available on any other streaming services other than youtube like would be available on spotify at all the the chocolates no um the one that jamie lineman's done oh yeah so it's it's a video um, all right okay so it's not yeah it's not um it's not a podcast it's 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 a it was like a live, it was a live stream event, oh. but the the recording of it's on on YouTube. So, in fact, there's a there's actually a there's a Black Futures or not nothing live set as well that I think was, I think it was free actually, but I missed it. But that's on YouTube as well. So, and, and you know that's a band that are that are pretty awesome live. So definitely worth worth looking looking into that. Will we just get on with the rest of the show? All right, man. Cool. So, on our single swap this month, we're discussing the latest single from Irish hip-hop trio Kneecap, and the most mysterious song on the internet, 
the most mysterious song on the internet. Um, in Submission Corner, we've got releases from Yorkshire instrumental outfit Going Feral and Livingston rapper Slippery Trashmouth. And for, and for our album reviews, we've got releases from Los Angeles, California's indie rock trio Cheekface, English singer-songwriter Arlo Parks, Canadian rock duo Black Pistol Fire, and psychedelic multimedia artist The John Mickey Collective. Right, that's quite a lot to get through. So, will we just let's just head straight into the single swap then? So, like on every other episode, we give each other a song to listen to. So, I gave Grant the most mysterious song on the internet, and Grant gave me "Mom" by Kneecap featuring Dirt. Where do you want to start? I'm quite happy to start. <laughs> As I said before the before we started recording their snits, I've written quite a lot on this song, so um, buckle in. <laughs> um, so Sned's quite rightly said, the song is commonly referred to as the most mysterious song on the internet. However, it's otherwise known as Like the Wind, Blind the Wind, Check It In, Check It Out, and or Take It In, Take It Out, after lines in fan-interpreted lyrics. It is a song that is widely believed to have been recorded from a German radio station, which I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to bother. Um, music, music for Junge Leute. Is that the name of the radio station, or is that the name of the programme on the Sorry, radio? Sorry, that's the name of the programme, my bad. I don't know whether the, 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 the station's just called NDR. I don't know how you... Do you want me to try and pronounce it? <laughs> I think it's pronounced... Norddeutscher Rundfunk. That wasn't too bad. So there, if, if there are any German, native German speakers listening, like we, we apologise for. I've just, I've just murdered your language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it was, it was believed to have been recorded from um, this uh, German radio station somewhere in between 1982 and 1984. So according to an article which is available on Rolling Stone website from September 2019 a, per- a person by the name of Darius S recorded the song from the radio station onto a cassette deck along with songs from the likes of XDTC and The Cure uh, Darius S stated that he didn't record an intro from a DJ or anything else that might have otherwise identified the song certainly the recording I listened to on YouTube does sound as if there may have been a follow up kind of outro or description of the song by a DJ you hear a very brief kind of popping almost kind of lip smacking sounds if someone is away to start speaking however it might very well just be the sound of the cassette deck being turned off I've obviously got no way of uh, kind of knowing that um, at any rate, it wasn't until 2007 that the search for this unknown band or artist really took off. Apparently, after years of searching for the song online, Darius's sister, Lydia H., under the username of Blue, posted a small digitalized snippet of the song onto a German website dedicated to 80s synth pop known as spiritofradio.ca. The song, and indeed the search for more facts about the song, has grown exponentially since this time. Internet sleuths have even gone to the length of contacting NDR DJs who were working for the radio station at the time, such as British-born Paul Baskerville, whom disappointingly has no recollection of the song either. He's conceded that it could potentially be amongst his collection of over 10,000 vinyls from this time, 
and since stated that most collectors know most of what they own, so he thinks it's probably unlikely that it's, it's somewhere in there. There has been quite a few false leads, dead ends, and myths that have been posted online in connection to the song, which obviously just kind of adds more to its mystique, including the story that it was the last song that the mysterious band played before all members were shot dead whilst attempting to climb over the Berlin Wall, which... Uh, Sad, but kind of cool as well. <laughs> I didn't hear that. The song, nevertheless, continues to capture people's imagination. One internet post poster has suggested that part of its appeal is precisely because people can't locate it in four seconds. You can't use Shazam or anything like that, as with kind of other songs uh, nowadays. The song is also featured heavily in a YouTube channel called Tales from the Internet, whereby YouTuber Wang has posted a total of four videos to date on the subject, which is where I got most of my information on this piece, as well as a few other articles like the Rolling Stones magazine um, that I mentioned. His most recent being, or Wang's most recent video, uh, being from the 10th of January this year, whereby he touches on the hottest lead to date, with some people going as far as suggesting that the mystery has now been solved, although he himself doesn't seem entirely convinced. Several individuals have suggested over the years that it may have been a Greek band called Metro Decay, whereas others have noted similarities between the song and those of another Greek band called Statues in Motion, both of which had previously been ruled out. However, as is the case with this internet phenomenon, more and more people are joining the case and rediscovering or retreading old lines of inquiry. This has coincidentally led several individuals to contact members of Statues in Motion in order to ask if they could shed any more light on the song. One of the founding members of the band, who goes by the pseudonym Billy Knight, initially stated that he knew nothing about the song. However, when another user by the name of Cam Conspiracy, I believe, contacted him, he stated the song was in fact a song that the band had originally recorded for their self-titled eponymous debut album that never made the final cut. So that's quite interesting in and of itself. And although there are definite similarities between the song and those of Statues in Motion, there seems to be some discrepancies in the types of equipment that have been used, the dates and the personnel. For example, internet sleuths have deducted uh, deduced rather that the song uses a Yamaha DX7 whereas Billy Knight claims to use a Yamaha CS15D. According to internet users it's pretty much impossible to recreate the synth sounds heard on the song using the CS15D and that the Yamaha DX7 didn't come out until after Statues in Motion's debut album had been released. Similarly, some have suggested that Billy Knight may be using this as an opportunity to promote the 30-year anniversary re-release of the Statues in Motion album, or perhaps even his new band, Astrodot. The vocals definitely do, however, sound very similar, with some suggesting that perhaps Statues in Motion vocalist Aston Dean may have either recorded the song prior to joining the band with another outfit, as he had previously been linked to a band called Homicide. Unfortunately, his whereabouts remain unknown and there's currently a major internet manhunt on the go to try and track him down. It's a lot of information to take. That is a lot of information, man. Did you, were you aware of any of that? Most of it. I didn't know the, the sort of, um, that story about the Berlin Wall. I, <laughs> I, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard any of the rumours like that. And it reminded me of, you know, the, do you know um, have you heard of Rodriguez? Yeah, oh yeah. Did we so, not go and see that? Or was the it's a movie, isn't there? Yeah, it's a documentary called Searching for Sugarman. Yeah. Rodriguez was like this he was a 
an American ar- artist who never really took off, but then he had like a massive underground following in South Africa. And the documentary is about trying to find him. And the rumors about Rodriguez, like that were flying around South Africa, were that he like sang one of his songs, and then when the song finished, he blew his brains out on stage. So it just reminds me of that like sort of like crazy rumor that flies about when when people have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. It's a really good documentary as well, man. Oh, it's brilliant, yeah. Um, wasn't he working as a labourer or something like that? Aye, uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. But he since went on and played, like, massive venues, like huge stadiums and what have you, in South Africa, hasn't well, he? Once they found him, he played a huge stadium in South Africa, and he's played, like, the Royal Albert Hall and, and all sorts of stuff. So he's, you know, he's kind of... He missed out on that portion of fame in his life, but it's come, come back around and... Um, worked out, worked out in the end, I suppose. Definitely. Um, so, as for the song itself, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, it's approximately two minutes and fifty-five seconds long, so just under three minutes. I've described it as being a pretty generic-sounding post-punk new wave kind of kraut rock song similar to the type of thing you might have expected Joy Joy Division to have done. However, I think they've previously been ruled out as well. The vocalist on the track sounds very similar to Ian Curtis, in my opinion. However, you can definitely pick up on a kind of German or Eastern European accent there. The song's good, don't get me wrong. However, I do wonder if it's maybe a case of the song's mystique and background being more interesting than the song itself. It's a very guitar-driven number, which coincidentally is another reason that some internet sleuths have deduced that this probably isn't a Statues in Motion song, as most of their songs appear to be more synth or keyboard-heavy. The synth in this track is, however, really good and really quite infectious. It kind of vamps over the top of a, a rhythm, lead and bass guitar. The song includes real drums rather than a drum machine, unlike some of the other bands previously mentioned as well. The vocals are quite distant, they've got quite a kind of gloomy sound, which kind of makes it hard to decipher the lyrics again, further adding to the mystique um, and the mystery to the song. It kind of follows a pretty traditional verse-chorus-verse pattern. Yeah, it's, it's it's worth a listen, I suppose. It's got a real kind of, I suppose, goth, gothy kind of feel to it. Yeah. As well. Um, yeah. What what was your what's your thoughts on it, man? I, I mean, I, I think what you've said is pretty accurate. I I quite like it. I mean, it is. It sort of starts off like a quite quite a generic post punk song, like you say. But I think it's got this kind of this sort of more joyous kind of classic rock guitar riff in it that kicks in after the first few bars. So I think that maybe elevates it a little bit in my estimation. And the, the vocals are. Like, like you said, a bit like Joy Division, or I've said like a less fun Depeche Mode. Like, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. It's one of those songs. I, I think it's a little underwhelming at first, but it kind of gets under your skin a wee bit. Like, mm. there's a nice like chug to the guitars and like nice rumble to the bass and trundle to the drums, and it it just kind of after a couple of listens, it kind of gets under your skin a wee bit. So I'd I'd say. Yeah, I think that's how I describe it. Maybe a little bit underwhelming, but it's it's a slow burner, I'd say, and it kind of it'll grow on you. But like you say, it is more the the kind of fascination of the internet with finding out who it is, who the artist is, and what the song is called that is that is more interesting than the song, really. 
Um, yeah, I find it quite strange that the guy who originally recorded it, recorded it from this German radio station once to only be known as Darius S. Like, he seems quite reluctant to give his full name. Same with his sister. Like, she just wants to be known as Lydia H and had previously used the username Blue and I think she'd used another one as well. Um, I can't remember what it was now off the top of my head. But it, it sounded like a, a proper name. Um, like like it could have been a man's name. Aye, they maybe just don't want weirdos, like random weirdos contacting them. I think that's probably fair enough. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, because inevitably, like weird obsessive people will will start messaging them, and like I don't know, I don't know, but weird stuff happens <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's interesting about statues in motion because it does feel a little bit like after initially denying it was their song, it's almost like he's gone, oh, wait a minute, I could I could actually say this is our song and yeah, gain a bit of traction off it because there's loads of people out there searching for this. So it does feel a little bit like they're jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. And if you watch Wang's videos, I think he's he's taken screen grabs of conversations that likes of Cam Conspiracies had with Billy Knight on YouTube, and possibly there's been a uh, a chain of emails that have gone back and forth between the two of them. And he does get quite defensive as well whenever Cam yeah. Conspiracy, if it, if it is indeed Cam Conspiracy, one internet user anyway, whenever he gets challenged on certain things, he gets quite defensive and, you know, starts starts getting quite personal. <laughs> um, which would lead you to think that he's, he's probably lying. Yeah, so I don't think the, mis- the mystery has not been solved and probably, well, I was going to say probably never will, but you never know. You never know. Nothing will ever be solved conclusively. No, probably not. No. Um, um, but interesting, nevertheless. As for a rating, I've given it possibly a 6 or 7 out of 10. Yeah, a 7, I think, is what I've gone for, which is, which is fine. I think, yeah, so it's worth, if you're interested in all the stuff that Grant's just told you, go and watch Wang's series of videos because yeah. there's a lot there's a lot more in, information there and he like he says he shows like screen grabs and and all sorts of stuff so there's a lot of information out there there's there are a few i mean the whole song is on youtube but there's a few different versions of varying quality the best version i could find was two so one is just um one's a music video which is like it's got like old footage from the 80s like people in like 80s dance clubs and stuff and it just you know, it just works with the kind of whole 80s vibe of the song. So the video goes really well with it. And that's by uh, Hole On Music. And um, if you find that on YouTube and there's a sort of, there's a remastered version. There are a few different ones, but the one that actually sounds better is by Johnny on Sugar. So that seems to be the kind of best quality version I could find on YouTube. And then obviously the music video as well. Um, somebody's uploaded it to Spotify as well. So you can, if you search for the most mysterious song on the internet, you'll find it. You'll find it on Spotify. Just watch out. There's a few random cover versions. Um, 
There's one by like a symphonic metal band, which is rubbish. <laughs> and there's another cover by like a oh, what are they called? They're like a like an indie rock band, and it's basically a straight up cover, but it's just not as good. So beware of imitators. <laughs> cool. Okay, so that was um, yeah, the mysterious, the most the mysterious, most mysterious song internet, and remains the most mysterious song on the internet. Okay, right, so we'll jump back to uh, the song that you gave me, and that is the song Mam by uh, Kneecap featuring Dirt. Um, that's spelled D-Y-R-T. So Kneecap, as I said earlier, a northern Irish hip-hop trio uh, based out of Belfast. They're made up of members. Again, I'm going to have to butcher another foreign language here. It's made up of members Mo Chara, Moglai Bap, and DJ Provi. Don't know if I'm saying that right, but those are their survivors. Certainty, you won't be. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, and those will be their survivors' names. uh, And indeed, they sing or rap mostly in Irish, as well. Um, So the song is uh, came out the tail end of last year, uh, the twentieth of December, and it's just over four minutes long and was released by the band independently in aid of Samaritans. So I'd kind of forgotten that you told me about these guys a while back. So when you mentioned it on the last podcast, and I think it, I think you said it was Boff um, that introduced you to them. Aye. So I do remember I had listened to a few tracks when you first told me about them, and there was one in particular that jumped, uh, stuck out to me, and it was um, uh, C-E-R-T-A. And um, it's got this really good bit in it that just goes C E R R T R, and it's then he speaks a whole load in Irish, so I can't sing that part, but it's just really, really catchy. Um, no idea what it means, but um, and that seems to be the the running theme with their music because because I've no idea what it means, I just have to go by what it sounds like, and generally the songs that I have heard are are, are really good. I couldn't find out very much about dirt at all i found that he was a masked rapper from limerick and i found an acapella performance of a song called ptsd on youtube it's like he's not masked for the whole time he doesn't he doesn't hide his face so you do get to see his face but it's almost just like a rambling story about life and death and mental health and at times he just sounds like like a slurring drunk but kind of a well-read slurring drunk so that's kind of quite interesting, but um, I think you said earlier you found his name. Like, I mean, I couldn't find anything else on him. So I think if you're, so I I listened to this song on Spotify, um, originally, and I think if you click Dirt's name, 
Um, it'll take you to a discography for him. And I don't think it's the same guy, to be honest. I think it's a, an American rapper by the same name. But from from what I know about this guy, um, so I think he has at times been known as Dirty Harry. I think his real name's Shane Davis. Um, he's an Irish rapper and spoken word artist from Limerick. Um, you can find some of his stuff on YouTube like that, that video that you were kind of telling me about. Um, I think he's also worked with likes of Weens, who's another Irish rapper, and I think they've previously been involved with some of the work that uh, the Rubber Bandits have done in the past. I think I think they're all pals. Um, yeah, but I, I couldn't find a Bandcamp page or a Facebook page or anything like that for him. Cool. Well, you you did you did better than I could because I just couldn't find anything um, at all on him other than that that video really. So going back to the song itself, "Mam" is a tribute to the artist's mothers, and there's there's a really quite sad story behind it because basically before the song was finished, Mowgli Mowgli Bap, I still don't know if I'm saying his name right, his mother committed suicide. So. It's a real shame that that she never actually got a chance to hear what was kind of a tribute to 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 their mother. So, I think that's kind of why it's dedicated to 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 charity and to Samaritans. So, um, the song. So yeah, I really like the song. It's got like um, it's got quite a heavy eighties vibe in in the yeah. instrumentation, like a sort of silky, soothing keys and like opposing electronic bass thuds that open it up remind me something like um like something off of like the streets of rage soundtrack you know for like the mega drive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something about it that reminds me of that and um it's sort of it's both melancholy but but uplifting at the same time the keys are you know i'm, I'm not sure what they are whether they're like a xylophone or a glockenspiel or something like that it's probably it's probably synthetic, but that's what it sounds like to me. And that kind of continues through the song with various sort of echoing drum loops and, and rolling electronics that, that sound to me like they're out of like a 90s educational TV programme. But m- most of the vocals are in Irish, so for the most part, I don't know what's what's being said. But the flow and timbre of the rapping is generally pretty laid back and soothing, with not too dissimilar to... Um, the likes of the the Easy Life EP that we, we covered last year. There's a section around the the two minute forty five mark where the vocal intensity ramps up for for a few bars, which which keeps things interesting. Um, there are some sections in English, and they sort of discuss not having a father figure around and giving thanks to their mothers for for taking on that role as well. Um, there's a sort of acceptance of circumstances, and there's not really there's no kind of grudge being held here, but I, th- I think that's dirt that's wrapping that part. I I was going to say, I think it is. But then there's, there's like, it's quite a few references to like doing lines, um, presumably of Coke. So I'm not really sure what the significance of that is. <laughs> I do, doing lines, doing lines from my brother or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like, like there's a, there's a bit about doing lines, with my brother I'll do another line with my brother and then there's another part that's like um, sniffing up lines so I don't I don't really know mm. well, well one of the lines the... Ah, isn't, isn't the line I'm missing my mother 
I'm just going to do another line with my brother or something to that effect. The, isn't the it? thing I've written down here is um, so thank fuck moms don't do a runner because some dads spend years buying butter. I just took another line with my brother, so I want to tell my mom that I love her. Um, so I I don't know what this what the the whole thing about doing lines is, um, but you know I think that, I think it's a really solid track. So I, I, I've given it an eight. Yeah, well, I've said it's a really strong eight, possibly a nine yeah. for me. Um, I really enjoyed it, particularly liked uh, Dart's vocal section from around the kind of one minute 43 mark. And you're right, it, it does deal with some pretty heavyweight issues. I could probably, well, try and interpret them the best I can, but I'd, uh, I'd probably butcher it, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, yeah, and I, I was going to agree. I, I quite like that... Um, I've described it as being a really infectious kind of 80s sounding kind of call and answer section um, or section between that kind of light keyboard or synth riff, synth riff with a more fat and, and bass heavy one, which, as you said, or quite rightly said, is just kind of repeated throughout the course of the song. Um, yeah, it's a solid track. Um, they've got a lot of really good singles out there. H-O-O-D is fantastic as well. Um I think you said you'd previously listened to Your Sniffer Dogs Are Shite. Is that one of them that you listened to? I, I, I can't remember exactly which ones I listened to. I listened to three or four. And Hood was one of them. Yeah. And C-E-R-R-T-R was one of them. And yeah, and Your Sniffer Dogs Are Shite probably was one of them, yeah. Um, yeah, so I haven't listened to their album, though, so I'll need to, um, I'll need to definitely check that out, I think on the strength of those few singles. So that was was Mam by Kneecap featuring Dirt. And then Dirt goes, Hang fuck, man, don't do a runner. Shotgun the Mawami, gun hoovin' Tani, gun hoovin' a bunny, always got her mommy. My father's child, my mother's son, that line could be troublesome. That sure what's done is done, and my mother is the stubborn cunt for a son. Right, let's go on to, well sorry, we need to give each other our singles, so skipping ahead there. Um, what have you got for me? So I have The Pale Horse by Elliot Pullen. Or Poulin, I don't know how you pronounce his name. It's spelled P-U-L-L-E-N. It's not a particularly new single. I heard it fairly recently. That's definitely not a new single because it came out almost a year ago. Um, It came out on the the 16th of March, uh, 2020. I discovered it off the back of a, a a YouTube binge where I discovered a video called, a video of his called the most the most stereotypical punk song ever, or the most stereotypical punk rock song ever. And it is, it does exactly what it says in the tin. <laughs> it's a, it's a banging tune. So I decided to to listen to some more of his stuff. He doesn't have all that much out there. I think there's a uh maybe a five track EP that was released earlier on last year as well. But yeah, I liked him. It's quite similar, I suppose, to the stuff that um Joe Billy does that kind of acoustic punk 
um, or something like that song is. Pale Horse has an early kind of Dylan vibe to it. It kind of reminds me, reminded me of the Dylan song Masters of War. Um, oh yeah, that's the the name of the song. So yeah, I I decided to uh, give it to you. To see what you think. Um, nice. I quite enjoyed so, it. So what's he called again? Elliot Pullen. Pullen. Cool. So the Pale Horse. By Elliot Pullen. So I am giving you something completely different, and the song is called "Average Death" by The Armed. Um, okay. Now The Armed are an anonymous hardcore punk collective from Detroit, Michigan. They've been on the go since two thousand and nine. Um, so I think <laughs> I think this will be a pretty divisive one because. The band are known for very dense, wildly inventive, hardcore songs that can be very off-putting for the uninitiated. <laughs> and and I and to, I haven't listened to this in depth, and I haven't listened to the Armed really in depth either. Um, so they they've got an album, they've got a new album coming out. Uh, I think their fourth album that comes out on the April the 16th. But I figured rather than kind of diving in <laughs> straight at the deep end with them, we should maybe perhaps just dip our toes in the water first to see if anything bites. Because from what I have listened to of The Armed, um, it's a difficult listen. But I think pe- if the people that do like The Armed are like rabid in their like um, fandom, like you know, they're the best thing ever. But um, mm-hmm. if you don't get it, like, you really don't get it. So I think it would be interesting to to talk about. So you said it was a, as a punk, an anonymous punk rock collective. Hardcore punk. Hardcore collective, yeah. sorry. So the more extreme end of punk punk music. Uh-huh. Interesting. I think, I, think they, I think they sort of mix elements of, like, I was going to say pop, but but as close to pop as shouty hardcore probably gets. But they're they're not just straight up hardcore punk. Like there's a lot going on. So I think um, is it kind of similar to Dreg in a way? Think think. I mean, Dreg are a bit more new metally. Um, yeah. But think think the sort of heavier riffs of Dreg, but then put lots of extra noise in there and just layers of of stuff. Um I suppose aspects of Code Orange like Right, okay. The way Code, Orange, Code Orange have got lots of layers of things going on. I don't know if it's perhaps as melodic as Code Orange, at least from what I've what I've listened to so far. But um we can we can once you've had a listen to that we can we can talk about it a bit more. But um so yeah, so that's average death by the armed. Cool man. Right, let's move on to submission corner then. So as always on submission corner, we uh, discuss some of the stuff that's arrived in our inbox. So if you're listening and have something you'd like to hear, sorry that you'd like us to hear, um, then you can send it over to us at headscratcheroutlook.com or just 
fire over on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. So this time round we have releases from Dorkshire Instrumental Outfit going Feral and Livingston rapper Slippery Trashmouth. What do you want to start with? You want me to start with Slippery Trashmouth? Let's go for it. Go for it. So, as Sned said there, uh, Postulated Substance Abuse by Slippery Trashmouth was released on the 28th of February, earlier on this year, on Speak Sleazy Records. It's a five-song EP. It's approximately 13 minutes and 41 seconds long. Slippery Trashmouth, otherwise known as Oozing Goon, Kid Scummy, Little Dumb Shit and Young Snot Bubble, um, is a Scottish rapper and entrepreneur from Livingston. Uh, he owns his own independent clothing brand called Goonmob, which he's been growing for a number of years now. This is his first EP to date. His first EP, Cats Motel, was released on the 3rd of March last year. And his second EP, What the Fuck, was released on the 3rd of July last year. So, as it turns out, I've actually seen him rap before. Right. Yeah, well, not seen him. I've watched a video of his. Oh, uh, right, okay. I've watched a video of him rap before uh, under the pseudonym Oozingoon on a YouTube video from a channel called Scotty Media, which is a Scottish media channel aimed at promoting rap, hip hop, and grime singers and songwriters in a series that they did called Rip Your City Cipher. Um, and it featured Spawn Zero and Bars Fury, both of which feature on this EP. Okay. Um, on a couple of tracks, so yeah, it was it was quite a revelation. I think it was actually Tom of all people that sent sent me over the video to watch. Um, obviously, quite a while ago now. I couldn't even tell you when that. I couldn't tell you when that that uh, video was released. At least a couple of years ago, I think. Um, so anyway, in the press release that we received from this album, it announced that Slippery Trashmouth is serving up another batch of lo-fi. I can never fucking pronounce this word. Existentialism. Uh, with his new EP. Coincidentally, the opening track, Commercial Break, opens with slish, Slippery Trashmouth saying that he's meditating soon. You know what I mean? Channel your chakras and shit. Think about Alan Watt and what he said in this situation. Probably stop smoking so much weed, you dumbass. Um, over this kind of Eastern sounding melody, possibly a sitar. I, I really don't know. It's quite fitting, as the person he's speaking about. Alan Watt was a British philosopher responsible for popularising Buddhism, Taoism and Hinduism in Western culture. And there's small snippets of his interviews, or interviews with him rather, scattered throughout the, the course of the EP. There's also a reference in there to William Golding's Lord of the Flies later on in the, in the, in the EP. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that this, this sort of thing isn't typically in my wheelhouse. However, like kneecap, um, I actually quite enjoyed it and found it quite refreshing hearing somebody with a Scottish accent, um, somebody who speaks like us, kind of do this type of thing. Um, I particularly liked hearing words like hang, kuthi and hana being used. <laughs> um, that was really cool. Um, and I really quite enjoyed the kind of beats and the kind of musical musical compositions on the track as well and um, particularly on the third track quality control center which for my money was kind of similar to the type of thing that you might have heard on the rap Ferrer album that we covered um previously it has that same dreamy sounding kind of xylophone sound 
what about yourself, man? What was your kind of initial thoughts on the? Yeah, well, I um, I'd been so for a number of like the playlists over the last few months, the, the alternative music playlists. I've I've put a few of Slippery Trash Mouth's tracks in there, so I've listened to some of his stuff uh, before this EP came out. Not as maybe far back as that video you were talking about, but within the last year, I've listened to a few of his tracks. Um, I think Spalding was the first one that I heard, right. which is really good. And he had a he had a Christmas single out, which is called Seasonal Defective, and it's just a really kind of depressing Christmas song, um, which is the sort of Christmas song that I like. Um, if you go and listen to the kind of the Christmas playlist that I, that I update every year you'll get the idea of the sort of Christmas song that I like, and it's... it's Morose. Morose, sad and depressing, like, <laughs> or evil kind of sounding stuff. So Seasonal Defective fits right into that. But like you said, I, I like I like how unashamedly Scottish his rapping is. And, like, you know, he's not doing things. He's day and hangs. And uh, it's just... It just it's just a nice relatability. It's, it's refreshing to hear that kind of thing. There's that sense of fun and humour um, alongside a kind of don't give a fuck attitude that he's got. Commercial Breaks are a really good opener that, like you said, there's that sort of Eastern meditative, meditative, try and, try and say that word three times fast. Eastern meditative. <laughs> <laughs> try, and, try and not say it like a robot. Um, an Eastern beat. So yeah, there's okay. there's that, which is quite cool. Um. And then I like the, the next track, Retail Therapist. I think it's Bond Zero that guests on that. And um, I just like the opening line that goes, uh, I feel like Jesse Pinkman, I'm chained to this lab. The only difference is the chain of command. And it, I don't know, I'm a sucker for a Breaking Bad reference. So uh, like, I really like his vocals, though. I really like Spawn Zero's vocals on the tracks as well. Yeah. And then like Quality Control Centre, like you said... I completely agree with you about Rap Ferreira. There's that same kind of uh, tinkling percussion, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, I think my personal favourite track is probably Happy Little Mountains. It's got this kind of like feverish but melodramatic piano loop. And then you've got the guest Bars Fury, which is like a great rapper name bars fury and he kind of you know spits bars on the first half of the track um and uh i think of all the songs it's the one where the beats and the raps kind of intertwine the most naturally and it also opens with a, a bob ross sample and there's a few more interspersed throughout the song so and that's quite quite unusual to hear uh um bob bob ross talking about which brush he's selecting to begin painting <laughs> Um, so yeah that that's my favorite track so you've got to mention um hypno kid who i think provides all the beats there's there's a real sort of sort of classic hip-hop feel to the beats like reminds me of of i i feel like a name dropped jurassic five a lot when i'm talking about hip-hop but that's because that's the sort of that's my kind of favorite era of hip-hop and um it's just kind of sample driven and uh, it sort of brings in that old school sound without without sounding sounding dated. So, um, yeah, I I I quite enjoyed this. What what did you rate it, Sneds? So, I've given it a seven. Yeah, I've given it a six or a seven. 
the standout track, Happy Little Mountains, that's really, really top notch track. I think it's it's brilliant. And I'm just I'm just excited to hear what, what this guy comes out with next because he he's quite prolific and he drops a single like every month or every few weeks it seems. So uh, there's a lot of creativity there. I mean, obviously he's got a clothing brand and he's start, you know, he started up this record label as well. So I think it would be interesting. There's obviously a kind of a culture of uh, young Scottish rappers here. So it'll be exciting to see kind of what these guys either together or individually come out with in the future. So uh, yeah, enjoyed this and it's it's kind of exciting for what's to come. Definitely. Cool. So that was postulated substance abuse by slippery trash mouth. It's just it's just fun to say, isn't it? But I love how it's spelled as well because it's spelled how we would say it. I went F. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Totally. I'm meditating, shit. You know what I mean? Channel your chakras and shit. What they both talk about is politics. I feel like Jesse Pinkman. I'm chained to this lab. The only difference is the chain of command I singing songs to the moon slow dancing I love my bitch but I don't do romancing I'm taking everything that ain't nailed and leaving ransom I was left on the road Get a penny for your souls Let machetes go, I don't follow any code I'm in your place playing Space Invaders Laying waste to refrigerators Eating pounds of the cake and layers Right, what are we doing? Too late already. It's too late by going feral. Cool. Okay, I'll I'll just fire into this. So yeah, going feral are an instrumental post rock and metal band from Yorkshire, uh, Leeds and Huddersfield specifically, and are made up of members Robert Burns, Yuri Kozorizov, uh on guitars, and Alex Diffley on drums. Um, so in their Press release, uh, the band name check the likes of kind of Mogwai and Caspian, uh, alongside the likes of La Dispute and Mastodon. So, which I, re- which I think kind of covers the extent of their sound because it's a mixture of like post, post rock, post hardcore, and like progressive metal. So it probably covers um, their various sounds. Um, so too late already it's too late is their second single uh, released at the end of january this year and it follows the their debut single ghoul rebellion which came out in may 2020 um so whilst ghoul rebellion brings the riffs and clobbering heaviness straight from the off too late it's already too late is a far more contemplative affair um beginning with sort of muted guitar picking and that slowly builds before the drums kick in at the 45 second mark with a, with a really satisfying bassy thud and uh, up-tempo cymbals that juxtapose the slower pace in the guitars. Um, I mean, this track is nearly 10 minutes long, so it is very long, but it does a decent job of steadily building up in both intensity and density with, with you know, layers of... Um, Sort of crooning ethereal guitars and and changing drum patterns as it goes along. There is a relatively abrupt change at the the sort of four and a half minute mark where where all the instruments kind of fall away and it's just the, the drums. drums. 
yeah, the drums, it just leaves the drums and they, they sort of form a transition into the into a sort of new segment which brings in more um guitar riffs. There's one that sort of chugs away while the other kind of scatters itself over the top, which which is quite cool. Like I said, the transition it's quite abrupt, but I quite like the drums in that transition. So I, I'm I'm not too bothered. Um you get the return of those kind of crooning guitars and they sort of solo over the riffs before um giving way to uh there's a, a wee bit of a cool off period about six and a half minutes um and the intensity of the drums comes back there and that's the thing that kind of kind of hooked hooked me in was the drums there and they sort of smash and shudder and you can hear the guitars like kind of rasping and growling in the background and that kind of builds and builds and and towards the end just becomes this really intense kind of cacophony of sound and um I think the think the last few minutes of this are, are really good. Um and it's it reminds me of something like I don't know if you're familiar with the band Deaf Heaven, but they, they do sort of sort of queen clean post rocky kind of instrumental music, but with, with black metal vocals over the top. So I kind right. of find myself while I was listening to it kind of imagining the black metal vocals coming in. It, it's not I'm not I'm not suggesting that there should have been vocals there um it was just kind of the mood and vibe that that kind of passage created for me it just reminded me of that band and i could all i could almost hear the vocals which is a bit weird but um yeah i quite so i, I quite like this what what's what's your thoughts yeah i i quite enjoyed it as well um you know as you said it's it is a long song, um, just under ten minutes long, and I suppose you know, we've previously covered Ikatan, which is you know twice as long. Yeah. Um, so it it does kind of seem as if it's going to be you know a bit of an undertaking, but I think there's there's enough changes in there, there's enough kind of textures and layers, um, to keep you keep you interested. I found it to be quite an atmospheric piece. Um, really enjoyed the guitars in this. Um, the kind of noodling. You know, little guitar ar- arpeggios um, layered in there. I thought that was really quite cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it, man. I think um, you mentioned Ikatan. Ik- obviously, they're they're both sort of instrumental post post rock and metal bands. But I think um, and there there are similarities in that they've both got sort of some sort of shoegazy elements to their sound, but Ikatan take a more kind of classic rock and heavy metal kind of approach, whereas Going Feral are more like sort of post hardcore kind of that sort of direction. Um like I'm not saying one's better than the other, it's yeah. just just for comparison, that's that's how they sort of differ in their approach to this kind of instrumental rock and metal kind of thing. Um, what what have you? What would you rate this? I've given it a six or a seven. I've given it an eight, and it's just I just really I just really like. I think it's just got a really good payoff. I think you you put you put a lot of time into it, and then the end the the end is so good for me that I'm just like. I, I think you kind of get rewarded for 
for listening to if if that's you know if that's your thing um, if it's not your thing, then you'll be like, well, fuck off. <laughs> just wasted 10 minutes. But, but yeah, I, I really like it. Cool. Cool. So it was um, Too Late, It's Already Too Late by Going Feral. The reason... Go in the album reviews then. Yeah, boy. Um, which I think we're just going to do it in chronological order. Yep. Which would mean starting with cheek face. Cheek face. I think that's and right. no cheek face. Um, do you want me to start? If you want, I. If you want to, go for it. Yeah. So, um, we've got emphatically no by Cheekface. I always kind of have a wee chuckle whenever I hear um, <laughs> that name because all I can think of is that, is it Mitchell and Weblick? That's that sketch from Mitchell and Weblick with a kid with an arse for a face. Oh, <laughs> I'd forgotten about that, but yeah. yeah you're talking that, about. That's all I can think of when I, whenever I hear their name. My um, favourite sketch from that Mitchell and Weblick is the one with the... The guy with the flute, and um, he gives him the magic flute, and he makes him shit himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the one where it's the two Nazis. Um, oh, we are the bad guys. Oh, yeah. They're like we've got skull and crossbones on our on our outfits. I think we might be the bad guys. Yeah, I thought that was that was a good. It's quite a good series, actually. Come to think of it, yeah, it is. I'm actually reading. Uh, Robert Webb's book at the moment, How Not to Be a Boy. Okay. It's a good book. It's a good book. Anyway, emphatically no by Cheekface, um, who, as far as I'm aware, do not have arses for faces, <laughs> um, was released on the 11th of January 2001 on New Professor Music, the self-professed world's greatest record company. Um, it's 13 songs long, or contains 13 songs, and it's approximately... 34 minutes and 41 seconds long, so just under 35 minutes. Emphatically knows Cheekface's sophomore album, or third if you include their live album, Cheekface on Audio Tree, which was released on the 4th of the 3rd, 2020. Um, their debut album, Therapy Island, was released on the 20th of March, 2019. Cheekface are a Los Angeles three-piece, which consists of singer and lead guitarist Greg Katz, Amanda Tanner on bass and Mark Echo Edwards on drums. They've been described variously online as alternative indie, indie punk and or pop punk Um, and as with a lot of these labels and categories it doesn't really give you an accurate picture of what to expect. Um, I would describe them having a really low-fi, low-energy yet anxious, almost febrile feel to them. Um, A lot of that low energy is solely down to the lead singer Greg Katz's vocal delivery kind of yeah. talk sings for the most part, and for my money, it's quite similar to the to bands like Cake, 
the Mouldy Peaches, um, at least some of the stuff that the Mouldy Peaches have done, Talking Heads. Um, and there were also occasions where I was reminded of Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys on the likes of I Don't Want to Go to uh, Calabasas, albeit a more refrained and less jittery and maniacal Jello Biafra. Um, it could very well just be a purely accent thing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, as for the kind of musical composition, I would say it, it is indie, um, but quite um, up-tempo and upbeat. And it makes it quite an interesting juxtaposition with Greg Katz's vocal delivery and lyrics, which for the most part are quite pessimistic, sardonic and cynical, um, and often pretty funny at times. Um I've read an interview online um, on overblown.co.uk by a guy called Stephen Aitken who said that this album feels like it pretty much encapsulates the feelings of the mass waves of disaffected millennials out there. Um, and I suppose, you know, the opening track, Listen, Listen to Your Heart Know, for example, kind of sees cats list, list loads of life-affirming and positive sayings and sentiments such as, listen to your heart, keep on keeping on and so on in this kind of call and answer type chorus um, with the rest of the band responding with a sulky and indignant no, um, which I found quite funny. <laughs> what was your initial thoughts, man? I um, <clears throat> I really like this album quite a lot, to be honest. Um, and I think um, I've sort of described it as like laid back, quirky, alternative rock. Because I mean, it is it is sort of indie, but there's there's a lot of like there's a bit more grunt to some of the songs than maybe a sort of sort of indie sound, I guess. But but anyway, it's got I think um, the like you said, the laid back kind of sound to it is is more to do with Greg Katz's delivery, um, where he just it's almost like deadpan. His delivery, um, really, does it's that. like a sort of a, got a no kind of uh, sort of no fucks to give kind of attitude, um, and he is he is just pretty much talking his way through most of this, um, but at the same time, some some of the some of the instrumentals, um, are actually really high energy, so there's an interesting kind of juxtaposition going on there with the with the songs, um, his. I've kind of likened his vocals to, uh, if you think of the song, uh, the ballad of Chasey Lane by the Bloodhound Gang, there's like a similar kind of delivery. Right. Yeah. Vocals. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And and there is there's humor as well, but I mean, the Bloodhound Gang are far more obvious and provocative in in the way that they they use humor, but um, uh this is a lot more subtle, but there's just a wee bit of a similarity in vocalists there. I've sort of said a less gravelly E from the eels as well at times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Mention it. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the sort of social commentary and the humor and, and some of the just kind of general weirdness that, that happens in these songs as well. Um, you've already mentioned, uh, listen to your heart. No, really good track, really good opener. Um and that yeah, that chorus um just gives me a chuckle every time. Best life. Um 
opens with a really catchy riff, um, but it's I think it's Amanda Tanning's sort of rolling bass line that that really pulls the song together. And again, there's just another fantastic um, chorus there. Um, and the end of the song where they just repeat everything is normal over and over again to the point where they're almost kind of cracking up towards the end of it. It's just, um, there's a lot of joy um, in these songs, I think, even though the delivery of the vocals is sometimes quite, like you say, morose. Um, but but there is a lot of joy, I think, especially in the music. Um, but I, I mean, I could talk. There's there's loads of songs in here I like. Um, I think there's a bit of a lull, maybe towards towards the middle. Um, I think with original composition. Um, and maybe I don't want to go to Calabasas, and so maybe not quite. Oh, I like that just, song, man. Yeah, I think I think it's. I think the more I listen to this, will probably change my mind. But I just felt like there's a wee bit of a lull there. But in general, I I I, I really like this. Um, like there's the song um, "Call Your Mom," which um, just comes storming out the gates, but. The, the vocals kind of slow things down, but there's a really good like shrieking guitar solo in there um, amongst this kind of like ba-ba-ba like vocal. And um, there's a good bit, which is keep your receipts, a canary in a gold mine, which is really, really fun to sing along to. Um, crying backs, brilliant. Like um, just that line, like I'm bringing crying back is just, I don't know. There's just something about it. It's got, and it's got like, um, a sort of granddaddy kind of esque distorted guitar solo in there as well, which is quite cool. Um, and um, there's just for me, there's 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 loads to love on here. I think the vocals will put some people off. Yeah. Well, he's not even singing, but I I think that's part of what makes this good. I I, I mean I I wasn't completely bowled over um when i when i first listened to the listen to the album mm-hmm. and I, I have to admit i think a lot of that was to do with with the vocals um even though i am a, a fan of kind of talking heads and what have you um however it certainly has grown on me and just as you were mentioning crying back there do you think that's maybe a sideways look at um or a play on justin timberlake bringing sexy back because there was a few i think there's a, there's a few references in this album like bear, bear just with well maybe not just like so um, it's a justin timberlake concept album <laughs> well i think it's i think it's just i don't know I, I hadn't actually thought about justin timberlake until uh you mentioned crying back but um there's a few things in there. So, for example, the vocal refrain on There's No Connection on the song of the same name, which is track number eight, reminded me of the Shin song Phantom Limb off their third album, Wince in the Night Away. Just that that lyric, um, I think it's it's in the exact same spot as, um, as it is in, in the, the Shin song. And also, um, the lyrics, Boyfriend with a soul patch, I know, I know it's serious. On I don't want to go to Cal- Calabasas seems to be a play on the Smith song "Girlfriend in a Coma." Could, could be, could so be. The, so the Smith surprised me. 
Yeah, so like the Smiths, um, Smith's lyric is girlfriend in a coma, I know, I know it's serious. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if that was the case. Um, <clears throat> wouldn't be the first time. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I think the vocals were actually kind of what hooked me in and I'm I, I, I'm often a bit weird about sort of indie vocals and <clears throat> and stuff like that but actually it was just because they were quite different and um just the kind of the play of the <clears throat> of those vocals against the intensity of the music was quite good um and um yeah I think it, I think it's quite cool but <laughs> the instrumentation on here is really good like um, a lot of the guitar lines are really infectious. Like on "Big Big Friend," there's a really sort of cheeky swagger of a guitar line that that comes in in the verse, and this sort of minute and a half mark, there's a really kind of rocking breakdown as well. Um, and uh, some of the some of the like all the choruses are all or are, are all not most of the choruses are really good. There, there's almost like um. On emotional rent control, there's even a sort of almost Beach Boys kind of esque chorus. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I'm talking shit, but that kind of popped out to me. And um, I mentioned kind of the the, the eels before. Um, there's a song called "Do You Do You Work Here," which just sounds like it could be an eels song. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's a slight. There's a slight echo on the vocals on that, on that, just on that track, and there's a sort of dirtier bass line, a sort of slightly grungier feel on it. It just feels like it could be, um, could, could just be an Eels track. Um, and even the track before that, there's there's this like weird um, guitar solo that that reminds me of the Eels as well. If you think of like, if you think of the song like "My Beloved Monster and Me." Mm-hmm. It's that really weird, distorted, like um, guitar solo. It's there's 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 something similar there, um, and the 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 album starts off really strong. Um, I think it maybe dips towards the middle, but then it ends really strongly as well with um, "Don't Get Hit by a Car," which is just um, it's just got really a really joyous guitar riff. A really groovy bassline, and um, it's just kind of a combination of all the all the things on the album that um, that that make the, the album good, and uh, the chorus that goes "Everything is boring now" uh, is is really good as well. So, I, I yeah, I like this a lot. Where have you rated it, or how have you rated it? I've given it a nine. Right. Yeah. Okay. I really, I really like it. I've given it a seven as well. Um, maybe if, like I said, it, you know, it, it didn't bowl me over to begin with, but, you know, it's an album that certainly has grown on me, so maybe the, the more I listen to it, the, the more I'll appreciate it. I don't know. But praise indeed for a, a nine, man. That's Yeah, I I just, I don't know. It's just something something about this really just, just vibes with me and gets under my skin. Um, I guess it's just because it's really unusual. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's what jumped out to me. It's I've not really heard much like this, really. So, 
Uh, cool. So that is um, emphatically no by Cheekface. I'm pulling weeds. The weeds are just smart on me. Listen to your heart. No. Keep on keeping on. No. Just say no to drugs. No. To the mall, a canary in a gold mine. I'm bringing crying back. Crying's the new black. Crying on my snacks. Let's do the mortal coil shuffle, the cumulative average of wasted time, anxiety plus caffeine. I'm sorry for what I did with your heartfelt letter. Okay, next one then is um, uh, from Arlo Parks. Uh, it's called Collapsed in Sun Collapsed in Sunbeams. Um, so this is the debut album from London-based poet and singer-songwriter Arlo Parks, whose real name I will try not to butcher. Um, Anais Oluwatoyin Estelle Marino. Um, yeah, man, that's pretty good going. And... Um, so th- this this album um, has actually been subject to quite a lot of critical acc- acclaim since it came out. Um, it peaked at number three in the UK albums chart. Um, it came out at the end of January, 29th of January, on Transgressive Records. Um, and um, we... They were both introduced to Arlo Parks from our uh, collaboration on uh, with Easy Life on their, their track Sangria. Um, and I think uh, her vocals on that track were, were a real highlight. Um, when, when you kind of first press play on this album, it opens with title track Collapse in Sunbeams, which is which is like a dreamy spoken word poem. And it it sounds almost like it wouldn't sound out of place on um, LYR's Call and the Crash Team. It's got that kind of, no. that kind of, uh, delivery of the because she delivers the vocals like a poem, like she just reads yeah. it like a beat poem, um, uh, with with a sort of a really nice instrumental over the top. But when that isn't really typical of the album, I suppose the instrumentation is, but but that sort of vocal delivery isn't. And on the next track, like this sort of sleepy kind of jazzy instrumentation continues and and Arlo's style of singing comes to life although it's still quite softly delivered and generally more spoken than sung but uh, and there are sort of flashes of spoken word here and there but I suppose it's a little bit like if you imagine like Lily Allen's delivery like yeah it's it's not gonna be that man it's that kind of more spoken than sung sort of way of singing, um, but with maybe a softer delivery, you know, like someone like the, the likes of Nora Jones or something like that, that kind of um, more restrained kind of sound. But that first track, first proper track, Hurt, um, has got this soft kind of jazz bass and drums combined with 
like a subtle woodwind sound and it's got Arlo's silky vocals gliding over the top and um, the bass line in particular on that's really catchy and it's got a really good chorus section where where she sings I know you can't let go of anything at the moment just know it won't hurt so much forever and it's a really a really strong um, strong opener to the album um, what um, what's your thoughts in general I loved it, man. I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was quite excited when when you kind of recommended we check this out because, as you said, we were both introduced to Arlo Parks off the back of you know the, the junk food EP by Easy Life, and I absolutely fell in love with her vocals on Sangria. I thought it was fantastic. Um, you mentioned collapsing sunbeams, as as you quite rightly said. It kind of the, the the piece or the album kind of opens up with a spoken word piece, which is right up my street at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the the whole album is a real joy to listen to. I've kind of described it as being so effortlessly eff, effortlessly cool, whilst at the same time being quite emotive and engaging. Um, it touches on various different themes, ranging from one's self-identity, sexuality, poor mental health, to failed and or failing relationships in the likes of Caroline or Bluish, for example, um, which I suppose, you know, given my description of it, maybe kind of sounds as if it's quite melancholic and morose. However, it's 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 not that's not the case at all. Um, I would say that the, the kind of parks songs or the contents of the song kind of transverse the, the entire gamut of human emotion there's quite a lot of positivity and optimism in this album like you said on kind of heart um you know that that repeated lyric um it won't hurt it won't hurt forever it won't hurt this much forever um yeah. it's you know as i said it's, it's definitely not an oppressive Listen, um, I've read online that some writers have described Park's lyrics as being deceptively straightforward, and I think they are. You know, I mean, I don't think you know you don't have to decipher them too much, too much. But I think that's part of the beauty of this album. What makes it really good, um, as you said, the kind of musical arrangement or composition, Mark's Park's um, vocals are you know soft and gentle. Um, and for the most part, they are set to these kind of shuffling, floaty and dreamy sounding uh, soundscapes. Um, there are occasions where you get the odd upbeat rhythm or flourish. Um, some, I thought some of the songs had a real 90s vibe to them. Yeah, I, I think that's where <clears throat> I, I kind of mentioned Lily Allen. I don't know when, when she arrived. It was maybe not the 90s, but um, Early at, one 90s, point, at one point I was thinking like, it reminded me of Nelly Furtado for some reason, and it doesn't sound like Nelly Furtado at all. I'm it's like just, a bird. Snitch. Yeah, it doesn't sound like like a bird. It just, no. I just got, I don't know. I guess it was just, I think, like you say, it. Some of it sounds quite nineties, and it just, I was, it took me back to that, and was like, is that even the nineties though? No, it would be, man. That'd be the nineties. Nelly Furtado would be the nineties. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's forget about Nelly Furtado. Forget about Furtado. Um. So it's really quite um in terms of like the the instrumentation, it's really quite breezy and summery. Mm. And I think 
I think, like I said, with 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 Easy Life, which also came out right at the start of the year, it's it's an album that's going to really like take off when the sun's out. Um, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think. What did I say about the the Easy Life EP? Um, it would be the perfect accompaniment to sitting in a, a, a trendy London. London beer garden or something yeah. like that. You could just say the same for this, I suppose. I think you could. Um, I think, and I think I think there's a there's there's a lot of depth to the lyrics as well, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a fair point that they're they're fairly straightforward. Um, but that that is what makes it helps good. make it good, yeah. And um, I think my favourite track on here is is Caroline. Oh, fantastic, man! Which That's, is yeah. just a real showcase for her sort of narrative style and evocative lyrics, and it and it's just a song about a fight between a fight that she witnessed between an artsy couple at a bus stop, and it it just it's just the way she describes the argument and it's like sets the scene perfectly like there's a line that's um it says strawberry cheeks flushed with defeated rage then he spilled his coffee as he frantically explained and it just builds to this um sort of crescendo chorus um that says caroline i swear to god i tried and um there's just I love the drums and this sort of little guitar flourishes that pop up every now and again. And it all just really, it just all comes together. There's like a perfect tone and ebb and flow to the story. And it all just feels really effortless. Yeah, that that, that was a standout track for me as well, man. But, I mean, these tracks, they're, they're all good. Um, Caroline's definitely standout. Um, for Violet stood out to me because it the rest of the album's really breezy um and then for violet sort of changes um where it becomes a bit more moody and a bit more brooding it's not not nearly as bright um and i think it's just that it covers a sort of darker subject matter um and i th- i mean i'm not 100% certain what, what it's about but it seems to be about um, like an abusive father um, uh, and you know the, the instrumentation kind of mimics that that, that darker darker tone to the, to the story um, and I think similarly on Eugene, uh, Eugene again has, a, has a, a sort of moodier sound to it as well and again that's about a kind of a breakup and a and a kind of um a breakup of a, a friendship o- over a relationship kind of thing so mm-hmm. um but uh yeah there's a, there's a lot of depth here i think definitely man i i, I really enjoyed it and i mean to think she's only she's only like 20 absolutely yeah you know um so it'll be amazing to see what she comes out with next. So, um, <clears throat> what did you rate this in? I give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I, I've gone with an eight. Um, I think there's the, I, I like, I really like the overall vibe of the album. 
I like the stories and the lyricism and a lot of the vocal delivery and the instrumentation. But I think there's a few weaker tracks even there that don't grab me quite as much. Um, like I, I'm not that into the last two, the last two tracks, Bluish and Porta 400. But um, it's it's a really good album. Uh, so yeah, so that was um, Collapsed in Sunbeams by Arlo Parks. to Look Alive by Black Pistol Fire or Black Pistol Fires? Black Pistol Fire, isn't it? Black Pistol Fire. So Look Alive by Black Pistol Fire was released on the 29th of January earlier on this year on Black Hill Records. It has 11 songs and is approximately 40 minutes and 9 seconds long. Span's sixth album to date. They describe themselves on their social media pages as a high-octane rock duo based out of Austin, Texas, by way of Toronto, Canada. The band consists of Kevin McCowan on guitar and lead guitar and Eric Owens on drums. So they met at uh, North Toronto Elementary School and started playing music with one another in high school. Uh, their sound is described online as a mix of classical southern rock and garage punk. And although there's elements of that on this album, I think it'd be unfair to pigeonhole them. Um, I think they draw on a whole host of different musical styles and influences on this album. And I have to admit, I was really quite impressed with it, especially when I discovered that they were a two-piece. So I listened to the album first before I actually kind of did any research. Um, so with that in mind, I would say that there is... Definite similarities between them and the Black Keys. I think that's undeniable. Um, there were there were times I was listening to this album was reminded of the likes of the Black Keys album El Camino. Um, however, that wasn't my initial reaction when I listened to them. Uh, the first track, the, the album's namesake, Look Alive, initially reminded me of something that the Arctic Monkeys might have done or certainly have tried to do, especially with some of their most recent tracks on albums, oh, sorry, on albums like AM or the Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Um, opens with a, a fairly simple musical composition arrangement. There's these kind of gravelly vocals, there's a repetitive keyboard riff and um, there's a simple but effective drum beat however the song really starts to vibe and ramp up a gear around the 40 second mark where you're treated to this really infectious kind of shuffling chorus uh, that you can't help but nod along to um, I don't know if you would agree to this but the second track Pick Your Poison um, so the initial maybe what 15 seconds if that initially reminded me of the Vapor song Turning Japanese um, no. 
Possibly, possibly. I never possibly. thought about it. Um, I've said it's got a sort of fun island esque guitar lick, and uh, that it opens with. Mm. Yeah, um, I've written here that you know initially reminded me of the Vapor song turned Japanese, or perhaps more appropriately, the opening bars are something like the Pigeon Detectives and um, Take Her Back, or even the likes of the Rifles, that type of guitar band from the early kind of. 2000s um but as i said that that similarity is fairly short-lived it's only about 15 seconds long or something and then it morphs into something more akin to the likes of wolf mother um or something they might have done Mm. um the vocal delivery especially during the verse feels really pointed almost onomatopoeic um, and i thought it kind of worked really well um and that was another really enjoyable headbanger um what what was your other thoughts on some of these tracks, man? I I really don't like this album at all. Oh man, I I really don't like this album. Um, I when I first when I first listened to it, I kind of skipped through a wee bit and and, and sort of thought, oh, that sounds quite cool. So I was you know keen to cover it, but actually having listened to it, um. I struggle to get. I really struggle, struggle to to get all the way through it. I just kind of get bored. Um, I, I get kind of fed up after a few tracks, and it, I feel like it doesn't it doesn't really do much different across the album, mm-hmm. and it doesn't do anything that I don't know. I just find it boring, <laughs> um, and it's. It feels a bit like it's like it feels a bit like Maroon Five or Imagine Dragons, but with guitars, like more guitars. It's funny because I I haven't written Maroon Five, um, although there were times where I was reminded of Maroon Five, especially on the fifth track, Wildfire. Yeah. Um, where the singer kind of raps his lyrics. Um. And I would say the kind of song takes on more of a kind of poppy feel. Um, I've likened it to, I have likened it to Imagine Dragons or One Republic. Do you know One Republic? I think I do. The name rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you. Well, I only know the one song and I'm not prepared to sing it to you. (laughs) Um, But as soon as you heard it, as soon as you were, if you were to hear it, you'd be like, yeah, I know exactly who they are. Um... But yeah, yeah I, can, I can get that similarity, man. Well, Wildfire is the one that is, I've basically said, it's a generic Maroon 5 song. Um, and and it and it, set, it sounds, the vocals sound exactly like Adam Levine. And don't get me wrong, I don't hate Maroon 5. Like, I, I mean, I'm not a Maroon 5 fan by any stretch of the imagination, but like some of the early stuff is all right. I mean, the... the Harder to breathe off their first album is is pretty good. I, quite... I, I don't know. I honestly don't know um, that much um, of five stuff. You know, payphone. You remember payphone? Not yeah. Gonna, don't know. I'm not going to sing that to you either. And move, move like Jagger is a Maroon Five song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. The less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> but that's I don't know. That's just like. That's kind of the vibe I got from it. 
like the whole way through, like the whole album or just that song? Kind of the whole album. Like I'm not saying that all the songs sound like Maroon Five, but I just get that kind of. How that, often can we say Maroon Five? I know, like you should put a little ticker up in the corner, like <laughs> that episode of <laughs> you say Maroon 5 so many times and the gates of hell open up and swallow us whole well, Adam Levine's about to burst through that door behind you <laughs> tear my head off and drink <laughs> the blood candy, spurting out of the stump of my my neck um, going on a little bit off a topic there but yeah. so I, I kind of I've also written like the like of um, you know the song "Human" by Rag and Bone Man, like it's like a rockier version of that, or like like Hosier's "Take Me to the Church," like a yeah. rockier kind of version of that, yeah. and they are sort of southern tinged kind of songs, but they're really, really sort of radio ready. Um, I mean, "Take Me to the Church" not quite so much, but but they're quite radio ready, and yeah, and like. Pick your poison in particular. Like once you get away from that that initial island sounding guitar at the start, there's this sort of ooh kind of vocal. I don't know. I don't, know, I don't want to sing it, but it just sounds like something you'd hear on like Soccer Saturday, like 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 a football advert or or like a car advert. And it it's just it's just it's just not for me. I think. Yeah. What did it's, you think of the opening track? I saw you nodding when I was kind of giving the description there. Yeah, I, 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 I don't mind the opening track. I think that's why you stuck with it. Well, I stuck with it because I thought the opening track's not bad, but then it just doesn't really do much else, and I just yeah, it just feels bland and it's not particularly original, and I mean. I'm not saying that music has to be original, it, but it has to have something that that excites me. And the vocals don't do it, the guitars don't do it. Like nothing really does it. Um, and like I said, by the by the time I get to sort of halfway through, I'm I'm done with it. Um, <laughs> but, I wish I had I wish I had some good things to say about it, but I, uh, I mean there there are bits here and there that I do like. Like there are little guitar licks, like the opening of Temper Temper. I quite like the the guitar lick and the guitar tone there. It's quite cool. It's got a cool groove to it. But it's then the vocals and then like this sort of finger click percussion, like mm. that. I, I I don't like that. Actively don't like it, and it it just ruins it for me. So there are some ideas and sounds there on these songs that I can get on board with like there's fuzzed up guitars and a, and quite a good melody in the sort of first part of the chorus on always on my mind but it's just not enough to... the whole song like there are, there are no there aren't really any songs on here that I, I like particularly and the opening track's probably the best one See, I really like Black Halo it's like I said. It's okay. I, I mean, it's okay. It's yeah. <laughs> all I can say for it, really. I yeah, I thought you might quite like it because f- for my money, well, I, I'll tell you how I've described it. I've kind of described this kind of gloomy sounding, almost kind of psychobilly, or it opens with this kind of gloomy sounding, almost psychobilly guitar riff. 
that I instantly fell in love with. And I felt as if it's... It sounded as if it came straight from like an old school kind of B movie. Um, not unlike some of the things we might have heard on Sex, Love and the Infinite Void or Sex, Death and the Infinite Void, the Creeper album. <sighs> nah. Po- poss- possibly. possibly there were bits of it, yeah. But I think... <clears throat> I th- I think... I think creep if there are if there are then creeper do it far better. I think is is there there. Yeah. I, I think I don't think there's anything on here that someone else probably doesn't do better. If you know what I mean. Okay, I will. I will give you that. Yeah, I will give you that. I mean, I've likened them to at least three or four different bands. Um, in my description, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I did quite enjoy the album. Um, I did quite enjoy it. I did kind of feel as if it drew on enough kind of different musical styles and influences to keep you engaged um, and interested. However, out of all the albums that we have discussed and reviewed, it's the one album that I've went back to less often. Yeah. Um. I'm only kind of realising that now, to to be honest. Um, listen to Arlo Parks a lot. Listen to John Meeky a lot. Um, but definitely this one less often. I suppose I would kind of agree with you that it, it is, it's, it probably is. It is very radio friendly, I suppose. It's kind of unoffensive. Um, yeah. Rock. I th- I think if if I heard this on the radio, I wouldn't like immediately turn it off potentially, but I wouldn't. I don't know if I want a whole album of that kind of thing. Yeah. Don't necessarily maybe one maybe a song here or there in a playlist or something, but I don't really want to listen to an entire album of it because I just get bored. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm dreading. I'm dreading uh, you tell me how, how you rated it. Well. Have you rated it? I have I have rated it, yeah. I've not given it, like, no. It's not a no scorer. Like, it's a minus 10. And and it's not, you know, it's not complete dog shit. It's not like a, yeah. a one. Like, it's, or a, you know, I, but I've given it a four um, because a four on our rating system is just meh. And that's kind of how I feel about it. And... <clears throat> I'm 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 probably never going to go back to this to be completely honest because there's 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 not there's nothing really for me. Um I can find stuff other stuff like this elsewhere probably that I'll enjoy more. Mhm. 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 I rated it quite well. I mean I I give it a kind of 7. Um But that, you know diff- different different yeah, tastes, I mean, you know. Obviously, we've said you said before, kind of music's subjective, and you know, horses for courses, and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with their their back catalogue. Hey, man, um, hey, so I, I don't know how it compares with their their previous material. Um, aye, 
So yeah, maybe, like their back catalogue could be really good, like or, or you know this or maybe maybe a step up or it or it could just be the same. I I, I haven't um I haven't taken the time to to find out, but certainly on the basis of this album, it doesn't really I don't really want to to check uh, that yeah. Yeah. more extensively. Um, and you know I don't I don't. Whenever I listen to an album, I don't want to dislike it. Like I'm not no, like no. I just found it didn't engage me. And then when I've tried to kind of write notes about it, I just found that I was struggling for struggling for positives. Um, to be honest, <laughs> it's quite a harsh critique. I know, but I just I don't I don't want to be like. I want to be honest about how I feel yeah, absolutely. about yeah. these albums that we talk about and that's just the way I feel about it. And you know, with someone else listening to this, like I mean, you've you've given it a seven, which is a good score. It is, yeah, definitely. You obviously like it and there'll be plenty of people out there that that, that really like this, really vibe with it, but it just I just can't. It just yeah. just doesn't do anything for me at all. Yeah, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> So, <laughs> so on that note, so on that note, that is um, the uh, the divisive album "Look Alive" by uh, Black Pistol Fire. What if I would say goodbye? Right. Okay. Let's move on to our final album. Last one. Uh, and this is called High Vibrations. It comes from the John Mickey Collective. Um, are, you, are you producing Mickey? I think it's Mickey. Mickey? Well, see, I had a boss like when I was younger. You probably remember that, actually. Remember, I used to work in the. I don't know if it was before. That old man's pub. No, 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 this was when I used to work, so it was whilst I was at school, I used to work in the Sunday markets through Thainston. <laughs> right, I don't, I, don't uh, I don't know if I kind of really knew you back then, man. No, probably not. Um, but my boss was called Hugh Mickey. Aye, so I... He's Scottish, I, this guy's from, he's from North England, isn't he? Aye, so when I worked in... Um, when I worked in Aberdeen, there was a, a guy who worked at the roads department and he was called John Mickey. Um, so I've just said his name the same as I would, I would say that name. And he was just like an old Scottish guy who worked for the the, the roads department. Um, not Obviously not the same guy. <laughs> I'd be, I'd no, be, well, who uh, knows? I'm amazed if it was. I'm amazed <laughs> if it was. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know, don't know the pronunciation, but I've, I've gone with Mickey, and that's probably how most folk would pronounce <laughs> it. It's probably just a Keith thing, Mickey. Yeah, and I mean that's probably the least interesting thing about. Oh, yeah, that is. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it definitely is the least interesting thing about this album and him. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so. <laughs> So John, so the John Mickey Collective is a project by multi instrument, multi instrumentalist, and multimedia artist John Mickey, who is who's based in the north of England. <laughs> right, calm down. Right. Okay. So it's Bibby all over again. That is Bibby all. <laughs> Still cracks me up. Um. So this is a debut art. Debut, I can't even talk. <laughs> right, this is a debut album from the JMC and is described on his website as taking inspiration from the Sykes stalwarts, including Pink Floyd, the Beatles, and the Velvet Underground. It's very much a psychedelic prog odyssey that combines elements of rock and roll, electronica, blues, world music, and more. Um. So I was bemoaning how bland uh, the Black Pistol Fire album was there, but this um, this album feels like a bit of a, a palate cleanser for me um, because it's anything but bland. Um, there's mm. so much going on over the 14 tracks that make up this album. Um, what's your general thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I was, I was really quite impressed with this album. Um his name had been buzzing about for quite some time because I think he had he not previously submitted some of his material to the site, possibly ahead of the album release. Yes, he sent. So when we after we reviewed um, Sophia by Valdo, um, right. I think so. So so Nunny Boy, David Nunny Boy, is quite active on Twitter, uh-huh. and he tagged us. So John Mickey had put feelers out for people to promote the album to and I think Nunny Boy tagged us in it so he'd emailed us with I think the first single um, which I'm not certain what that was to be at least quite a few singles it might have been Wish You Were Dead but I can't remember Um, so he sent us that and then there was a bit of back and forth and he he did send us the album in advance but we just we just never got to it before it came out so that's kind of so so we so we did get it and it could have been a sort of submission corner but it feels more it feels more appropriate to be to be where it is basically absolutely but um it's it's an it's a very impressive um piece of work it's yeah it's i've got a lot of love for this album man i I mean I, i really didn't know what to expect obviously as with kind of most of the albums that we cover, I listened to the album before I did any research. And as I said, you know, John Meekie's name had been kind of buzzing about for a little while. And I remember seeing on Facebook that he'd included Fantastic's first single, Ain't No Man With Money, on a playlist that he put together. So that inadvertently led me to believe that he was some sort of kind of Southern Gothic blues country artist. And although there are elements of that in this album yeah. this piece is so so much more as as you've kind of said um 
I've described it as a veritable smorgasbord of a multitude of different musical styles and influences. Um, it's a heavily instrumental and textured piece that uses a wide variety of instrumentation, ranging from kind of swooning and soaring guitars, harmonicas to synths, and I think even sitars. Um, yeah. It's kind of interspersed with voice clips from what sound like old westerns and B-movies that are for the most part, primarily used as a means of introducing the tracks. Um, and on the occasions where um, John does sing, the vocals are often in the foreground and sound quite distant um, and they're interlaid with various different effects and echoes. And for my money, it sounded quite similar to the type of thing that the beta band might have done back in the day. Okay. Um there was also um, numerous times where I was reminded of other bands or artists. Um, for example, like the opening bars of the third track, Wish You Were Dead, as you said, may or may not have been released as a, a single previously. I know that he has re- he released quite a lot of singles um, before they released the album. But that song in particular reminded me of Iggy Pop's Nightclubbing. All right, okay. Um, I felt as if it opened with this kind of similar sort of kind of drum beat, a discordant piano, and this really kind of shuffling, sleazy, sludgy feel to it. However, it takes a delightful left turn towards the last ten seconds or so of the track, where it takes on this new, albeit brief, life as a kind of dancey techno number, which I just thought was really cool. And there, you know, there, there's bits of that throughout the course of the album where it just kind of shoots off in a totally different musical direction. Yeah, totally. I, I really like Wish You Were Dead, that, that tinkling piano. Like it sounds like something out of like it sounds like it's almost been played on a broken like piano in like an old an old saloon or something. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just and then it's got like these like squealing guitars, which are I suppose where the sort of psych element comes from. There are these um guitars soloing over a lot of these tracks. Um, and it there's a, brings that sort of psychedelic element, um, and it's it's weird because it's described as sort of taking elements of like Pink Floyd and and the Beatles and stuff like that. But the first track, you would never really guess that because the first track's almost like a prodigy song. It's the like, Mothership. The Mothership, yeah. It it's, reminds me of the song Spitfire the by the Prodigy. Yeah, man. Uh, it's not quite as bombastic or or explosive, but it's got a very similar, like, groove to it, I suppose. And um, and and it, it's just a really, I mean, that's a really cool opening track. And then the next track is like a sort of acoustic song with with like electric woozy electric guitar like all over the top of it and it's got these bizarre like dreamy vocals that sound like it almost sounds like liam gallagher or like ian brown there's a sort of like manchester vibe to to the to the way the vocals sound a wee bit um and that's not to say this sounds anything like um oasis because it, it sounds nothing like oasis um or, or the stone roses but Although I suppose there probably are some similarities with the Stone Roses here and there, yeah. Um, yeah, but um, I, I, it's just I think it's cool how it is really varied, and it's really varied within all the tracks. But it does sound 
it all sounds like it's in you know part of the same album like it doesn't yeah. sound yeah it, nothing sounds out of place really is what i'm yeah. trying to say i suppose yeah uh, no i really enjoyed it um as i said you know there are there are you know, numerous kind of similarities to other kind of bands and artists um you know might agree or disagree with this but um there was times where i was reminded of the type of thing that frank black has kind of done in the past as well um particularly on the likes of the cult of ray or teenager of the year album on tracks like i'll write your consolation which is kind of towards the end of the album and it's probably you know one of the the kind of standout tracks for me um yeah it sounded very similar to the adventure and the resolution which is in the cult of ray album um it's got a very similar kind of spacey feel to it um it has these kind of noodling guitars kind of ebb and flow in and out of the track um, and this really striking violin yeah the crazy. guitars which i thought worked really really well really well um one of my favorite tracks in the album however, has to be Escape from San Francisco. That is fucking epic, man. Yeah, like, yeah. that's brilliant, isn't it? It's <laughs> so good. Um, it's got this kind of real, I've described it as having a real kind of bluegrass feel to it initially, um, and described it how, how it effectively repeats this riff, which gets increasingly more textured and elaborate as time goes on. It first uses a guitar, then possibly a cello or double bass, and then the highlight of that track for me certainly is when he starts riffing using this kind of crazy jazz synth, I think, synth or keyboard. And yeah, just, an organ or something like that, isn't it? Aye, aye, it's probably an organ. Um, I just thought it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I wish it could have gone on for, for longer because it's a fairly short track. It's mental because the song is only two minutes long. I've I've said here it goes from C6 Steve to the Doors and it's only two minutes long. Yeah, man, it's and got it's, a proper kind of Ray Mancherick kind of feel yeah. to it, doesn't it? I've, well, I've described there's having this real 70s psychedelic rock feel to it, but absolutely, yeah. Aye, that's like that escape from San Francisco, and I will write your constellation that you mentioned already. Like, yeah, they're highlights. I re- I quite like him, um, the Ballad of John Wayne as well. It's um, I, I like I think I find it funny that the song's called the Ballad of John Wayne, and then the only vocals are "Bang Bang, You're Dead." It's a long, long way home. I just I don't don't know why that just amuses me that that all there is to say about John Wayne is 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 that but um and then it's got that um this kind of funny sample at the end like you say from like an old western or something with this guy just screaming i killed that fat barky <laughs> yeah that's fucking ace and it, and actually there's there's a there's a a short bluegrass section at the end of that as well which which is like i don't know it's like seven seconds long it's really short and i was like oh and then it, and then you kind of get that comes back on um, it comes back with a vengeance on on the start on the start of um, Escape from San Francisco. Yeah, it's a fantastic it's a fantastic album. Um, like I said, I know you've mentioned kind of Mothership. Uh, 
you've, you've mentioned Mothership before, how it's taken an open track, and I would completely agree. And I actually never thought of it as sounding similar to um, Prodigy Spitfire, but you're absolutely right. Um, I've described it having this kind of really apocalyptic cinematic feel to it. Like it sounds as if it's jumped straight from a movie. Yeah. Um, and just a, a banger of an opening track. Um, what other songs have you enjoyed, man? I mean, they're they're all really, really interesting. Um, I quite like um, I quite like Under the Stars, which which starts with like um, well, it starts with Neil Armstrong's famous quote from the moon landings, yeah. and then you know it's kind of, it's it's suitably kind of astral, I suppose, as as the name would suggest. But then it it kind of over time morphs into this like. It's almost like a floor filling dance like song in a way. I, I I was struggling for how to describe it, but it feels really, really dancey. Um, in a, in a sort of odd kind of way. Um, but yeah, so that so that one for me um was was really interesting, and um, I think um. In terms of the sort of psychedelic side of things, Penny was her name has got a lot of um there's a lot of Pink Floyd on that track. Yeah. Um, definitely very dark side of the moon, um in my opinion anyway. And um the um closing track astral projection feels a little bit like it's almost like a cool down like from the album. It sort of feels like it's sort of kind of just letting off steam until it just it just it just ends and then there's a sample um you have a lot of talent thank you sir well it's a guy saying you have a lot of talent and the other guy saying thank you sir and it feel it almost feels like a little pat on the back to himself on john mickey's part and you know i'm not gonna i'm yeah, not gonna jump that a little bit of self-congratulation because um because it's, the album really is something else and it's it's really impressive just in terms of all the different elements to this like all the different instruments that are going on and yeah it's 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 a really cool album so is it it's just him isn't it i say it's just him but he, it's all is it all played and recorded by him I'm not. I'm not certain. Not sure. I haven't. I haven't read too much into that. But the John Mickey Collective it is just him. John but whether he's had any, you know, session musicians in to to help with pulling to get this together, I don't know. But I suppose the fact that he's described as a a multi instrumentalist probably, probably tells a story, um, and it probably was all him or. The majority of it was him. I also like that his uh, record label is called uh, Shabby Road Records. I think that's really funny. Yeah, I was trying to find a bit more about Shabby Road's records, and apparently there was a Shabby Road Records in Ayrshire at one point. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and there's also a podcast by the same name. So um, I think they do that similar thing to ourselves, actually. <laughs> Uh, review new music and what have you. I review old music, actually. I think. All right. Okay. But there's no connection there. Cool. How? What have you rated this in? I've given it a, an eight or a nine out of ten. Yeah, I've given it a nine as well. I think it's it's pretty good. Well, it's more than pretty good. It's it's 
It's, uh, it's very good. It's very good. There's a lot of stuff to like, man. There's a lot of stuff to sink your teeth into, I think. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay, so that was um, High Vibrations by the John Mickey Collective. the last the last album um i'll just do my my spiel um that's it for another episode of the scratch cast and uh, we'd love to know your thoughts on what we've covered and if you do like any of the bands or artists then make sure you send some love their way if you want to support the show then don't forget to subscribe to the scratch cast on spotify apple google podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and remember to leave us a nice review if you really want to be a hero, you can buy myself or Grant a coffee on buymeacoffee.com where you can also let us know how you think we're doing, what we can improve, or what you think we should cover in the future. Uh, the link is in the show notes. If you'd like to be featured on Submission Corner, then please send your submissions for consideration to the Headscratcher at Outlook.com or message us directly on Facebook and Instagram at the Headscratcher or on Twitter at Scratcherhead. If you can't wait for the next episode, then head over to theheadscratcher.com to find all our pop culture reviews, recommendations, alternative music playlists, interviews, and of course, all the previous episodes of the podcast. February's playlist is out now, and March's probably will be too by the time this goes out, to be honest. Um, some of my choice cuts from February's playlist, playlist are My Immolation by Portrayal of Guilt, Now I'm In It by Haim, Medicine by Nick Waterhouse, and of course, Hangman by Fantastic. Finally, make sure you check us out on YouTube where you can find all the individual re reviews from previous podcasts. And please remember to like, follow, and subscribe for updates. If you made it this far, then there's only one thing left to say, and that's thanks for listening. And as always, please tell your friends, your colleagues, your parents, and your pets. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Cheerio. It's not finished. It's finished.